All right. Well, welcome to the Digital Fireside. I'm joined today with Stan Mattingly. He is the president of XY Consulting. Uh, it's located here in Indianapolis. And you're kind of a little bit of a renaissance man, I'd say. <laughs> you you kind of do a little bit of everything. And uh, you're a lifetime entrepreneur, a self-proclaimed tech head. Yes. And, uh, yeah, man. I So I guess the reason why I had Stan on and have you on, essentially, is because you have such an interesting background uh, with basically launching a startup and getting involved in that sort of uh, landscape. And it, it seems to me on paper that that uh, sort of environment can be very intimidating to people. Yeah. And yeah. there's well, my perceived uh, idea was that there'd be a lot of barriers to entry with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that just with talking with you, you know, and really kind of getting to know you, I think that you know, this would be a really interesting listen for a lot of people that are maybe thinking about getting their own business started off the ground or, you know, what kind of goes into that sort of thing or maybe even from a hiring perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. Stan. I love to love to yeah. talk about it. All um, right. I got you here, definitely, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Of course. That's um, uh, definitely something that I've always had a passion for um, and, you know, really started my, my goal growing up was always to actually start a real business, right? So I, right. I always had these, you know, ideas. Uh, the first thing I would do is make a business card on, on uh, Microsoft Word. Um, that was kind of my original legitimized business. Like, okay. if I have a business card, I have a business. Um, so, like, kind of like that self-actualization Tony Robbins kind yeah, of like Yeah, it was like, board. and then, yeah, exactly. And I kind of, as I got older, um, I started realizing, like, all right, let's take it a step further. We, we have all these business cards, but we've never sold anything. Um, <laughs> no, we did. We did. I sold sold chocolates, you know, lemonade stand, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but, again, um, I always had this feeling of, like, all right, what, you know, how do we make a real business with a, you know, company um, per se? Right. Um, so, you know, started looking into LLCs, those types of things. Um, and just to kind of talk about the barriers of entry is, you know, there really are none. Um, the financial um, overhead per se in that process is startlingly low. Hmm. Um, and you know these days the you go through what what's called the Secretary of State. Um, not See, to that get, sounds as a yeah. layman like this. That sounds super intimidating. Yeah, so like, it, it, and it's it's but it's it that's what kind of what I'm uh, my ultimate kind of teaching that I have right now. You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a, a millionaire by any means. Um, but, it, but if I do know anything, it would be about that process. Um, and it is all online now. Um, okay. So very quick. Um, and you get, you get your talk about official, the, the first <laughs> official thing you get is a nice, um, branded piece of paper uh, or a PDF. Um, from the Secretary of State that says, hey, you are now, you know, whatever it is, uh, LLC. Um, cool. And that, that is a really cool feeling. Um, and it, it's less than $100 to get that piece of paper. Okay. So before we dive in too much into that, can I like walk us through a little bit and like what Stan was like growing up? Because clearly yeah. very motivated, yeah. you know, idealistic, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to make business cards and I hand <laughs> out to all my classmates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is what, that is who I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Always selling something. Um, you know, probably in a fashion that was annoying to um, naysayers, per se. Um, oftentimes it was. You know, I started out selling monsters. Um, I went to a Catholic school and energy drinks were kind of taboo. Oh so, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't selling illegal things, but I was selling frowned upon 
um, legal things. Right. Um, so I created kind of a demand for those, and and you know, looking back on it, probably um, unethically quadrupled the, the cost of a monster <laughs> in the hallways of my Catholic school. But um, yeah, and and you know, kind of just always thinking of of ideas and and trying to figure out what that real legitimate business was going to be ultimately um, when I grew up, but. Well, so what did you gravitate towards, like in school, for instance? Um, yeah, so it was normally on the cheaper side. So I, I my my mom actually gave me my first. Let's uh, come in just a little bit. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. There you go. Um, my mom gave me my first loan for four hundred dollars, um, okay. and I, I ordered T-shirts. Um, so a lot of the original concepts were um, apparel, branding, okay. lots of logos, lots of work on Microsoft Paint, man. Microsoft Paint. Ma- Microsoft oh, Paint was a uh, a powerhouse tool for my original businesses. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. Yes. Yeah. I, and that's you know talk about bootstrapping. Microsoft Paint, man. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got, because I know a little bit about your background and like you kind of started getting more involved in coding and programming a little bit. Yeah. And. You know, we met at the gym, so, like, you don't really strike me initially. And I think people like us are slowly maybe breaking down that stigma yeah, of, like, you know, yeah. oh, he doesn't look like a coder, oh, he doesn't oh, yeah. look like a programmer or whatnot. But what was it that really sort of, uh, I guess, attracted you to coding? And did you find that, was that before you started to try and jump off into doing your own entrepreneurial endeavors? or? Um, yeah, it was around the same time. Okay. Um, and it goes hand in hand with kind of just low cost. Um, you know, we we grew up in a time where... I think you and I did, where where everyone kind of had a family computer, or at least starting to have a family computer. And right. um, my brother, uh, who's a little bit older than me, I always used to see him doing some wild stuff on the computer. And um, that nature of it was more so like downloading crazy programs, um, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. probably dangerous programs um, from a virus perspective. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to one up him, like, all right, you have these cool like animation programs you find, but like what's what's behind them right, right. Um, you know how can we get a little bit deeper than that and and, and make these programs I guess um, so I actually went to an ID tech camp if you ever remember those flyers at school yeah um, they yeah. used to put them in like your cubby or whatever <laughs> um, so I went to Purdue and did that for a whole week and learned Java was my first oh, wow. language yeah Java okay yep because I, I see similarities and Stop me if this doesn't relate to you at all, but, like, for me, a lot of, like, learning all this extra stuff was almost born out of necessity in a sense where it's like, okay, I have this vision for, and in my case, it wasn't a business. It was more like a story, like a a, a written experience or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I have a vision for this, and I either don't have enough money to pay someone to do this sort of stuff, or, you know, I want to have more control over this stuff because I'm kind of figuring out as I go so I'm going to go ahead and learn how to, like, code or program. I'm going yeah. to do it myself. Like, do you kind of have that similar yeah. sense where... Yeah, and, and you almost have to. I, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking that on the way over here, is there's this perceived or, I guess, exaggerated gap in the programming slash tech industry, right? Mm-hmm. Because the barriers to entry in that industry are actually the lowest of anything that has ever existed. Okay. Back in the industrial revolution. Yeah. If you want to get into building a factory or manufacturing, you're, you're going to have to take on a pretty hefty 
uh, financial burden. But mm-hmm. what's wild, though, is, you know, up the lines of what you're talking about in terms of, you know, not having the financial capacity to create something. Um, that's, you know, that the, the knowledge gap is what creates that that massive cost. I mean, you go to an app development firm down the street and they're going to give you a $500,000 quote for a, an MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that really is what it was about um, was, you know, how can I beat that that intense financial burden there um, and kind of, yeah. you know, because when you learn it, I mean, it's free. I mean, it's all open source. Yeah, uh, you, yeah it's all you up go here. From, so you go from $500,000 to virtually zero in time. Yeah. And I think that that was one of the things that really started to blow my mind um, was this this revelation where because uh, I went to a coding boot camp. So um, to learn specifically like JavaScript and what really kind of blew my mind was this realization that like a lot of this stuff is like freely available knowledge online, you yeah. know, like, oh, yeah, the stuff. Yeah, they're teaching us, but like they're using these like ebooks or whatever. Or I forget what they call them. It was like a I don't know. It was like a documentation form. Yeah. And like you could yeah. look up and I found ones that were, you know, in my opinion, even better than the ones the instructors gave us. So it's like you kind of learn really quickly um, when you start learning coding how to Google and how to effectively Google. Yeah. And you start to realize that like even these crazy problems that you might see like a a senior developer, you know, handle, um, they oftentimes there's a search engine involved in some of those. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of empowering in a very cool way. And, you know, I think that that stuff is, I'm kind of with you that I think that if you are looking to pursue a, you know, uh, entrepreneurial endeavor that it would definitely uh, behoove you to learn how to code, at least mm-hmm. to some kind of extent. So you might be able to chip in and help with like, you know, bug fixes or kind of get an idea of what your programmer or developer is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Let's see. Um, yeah, my major is actually informatics and it's no, on no the kidding. lower side of, of that tech spectrum. So I kind of took it to the max um, from my knowledge, I guess, bucket is a little bit fuller um, in terms of programming techniques and fundamentals than right. your your average informatics graduate is, but that's pretty much what the informatics degree is is for. Is at least having this kind of surface level understanding of development. Um, you know, they make you take some database classes and they make you kind of get deep into the code for a couple semesters. But at the end of the day, it's really um, the way the best way I can explain it is you have your you know, full-fledged businessman over here, your full-fledged Mark Zuckerberg over here, you need someone in the middle that can translate between the two. Um, yeah. So that's, it's quite interesting, actually, um, that that kind of need there for yeah. a middleman in just communication. Um, that kind of goes up, I think you mentioned that. It's like people like you and I don't really strike, or, you know, you don't see me walking on the street and you're like, all right, he is a programmer. Is <laughs> there are certainly people, you know, they're called Mountain Dew programmers, nothing against them, but you can tell you're like, all right, you program a lot. <laughs> I really, I do, but I, you know, there's a, it's, it's good to have um, people skills also. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what drew me to, you know, playing around in the um, UI, UX kind of sector a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, so, Start me off a little bit with, you know, we what we addressed your education a little bit, kind of got a sense of who you kind of were personality-wise, yeah. um, you know, growing up. Um, I'm going to segue a little bit here because I think that it's interesting to me um, of 
similar personality traits mm-hmm. in people who are highly successful, highly engaged, who are the kind of people that would start up a business. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, you was it a nature or a nurture kind of thing? Did you kind of maybe almost realize, okay, there was a, a need that you had to address so you adopted a sort of certain personality trait or did it kind of come naturally to you? Like, for example, like, okay, I'm very creative, but I need to learn how to be a better public speaker or communicator so I will become that as well. Yeah. Um, I guess at its core, like my true entrepreneurial roots, um, I think are by nature. Yeah. Um, but the skills you have to learn, um, we were kind of talking about that before this started, is like, yeah, you can build something. You can think about this, these brilliant ideas, but at the end of the day, you really have to be polished on sales, marketing, <laughs> you know, all these different things that you're, you're like drowning in. Yeah. Um, and those definitely are, are by need. Um, and, and you have to, those are definitely not by nature. Um, the, the little kind of nodes that come off of this core of entrepreneurship um, are definitely things that you have to learn and pay attention to. Um, yeah, I remember there was a class that I took in college where, and I don't know if this was the instructor's intent, but I almost got this sense where it was like a, you're either born with it or you're not. And I think that to me personally, as someone who, um, like to my earlier example, I kind of like adapted, like, you know, I wasn't always a great communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always, I was, you know, up until about senior year of high school, I was pretty shy in all honesty. Like I was, yeah. I was very like kind of reserved or whatnot, but I ended up, you know, like realizing, okay, my creativity, my vision, yada, yada, are only going to take me to a certain level. Mm-hmm. You know, I can reach so many more people. I can expand on this sort of stuff if I learn, you know, to emulate, at least for me it was emulating at first, but like, uh, if I learn to kind of adapt these certain personality traits. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's interesting to kind of see, hear that because I think that, um, you know, you definitely like you have this innate sort of, you know, nature about it. It's, it's, it's a infectious kind of charisma. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And thank, I think, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, drawing to that, like it's definitely something that I think is interesting where people can also learn kind of to emulate sort of this stuff as well. Because mm-hmm. like almost anything, sales is a skill that, you know, either some people have an innate advantage in it, oh, yeah. but like you can learn how to be effective yeah. at sales. Yeah. Um, so when you kind of get to, let's fa- uh, rewind it back a little bit. So when you kind of are, you know, graduating or you're finishing up your education and then you make this first, you know, cognizant decision to branch out into, was it, just straight from that or was there like a, a day job that you had in the yeah, meantime yeah what was that like? um yeah it was interesting because my resume <laughs> i got a job i did okay. um, I, I worked for a year for a larger company okay uh, but the the problem you, you know you almost kind of shoot yourself in the foot because my resume is pretty good uh from a technical perspective but it's all like founder founder co-founder and they're no, like no. they literally looked at me and they they were like can you even work here? Like, and I, I sat there and was like, wow, I, that's the craziest question you've asked all day. You know, I did the programming exam. I, I got all asked all these technical questions. And then this guy looked at me and said, can you even work here? And I said, yeah, yeah I, I can. But, you know, in the back of my head, I knew, um, you know, that it, it, it was kind of a white lie. I mean, I did great there. I do very well working at places. But at the end of the day, I was going home and, you know, working more. Um, on personal endeavors and yeah. 
you know, was trying to work through exhaustion, um, you know, and trying to keep my keep my wits, my entrepreneurial wits sharp, because um, that was the thing that I was most scared of. You know, how long can I work somewhere before I ultimately forget who I originally was? Um, yeah. And that risk yeah. to me is uh, it's so scary to me. I'm like, it, what if in 10 years I just don't have this passion anymore because <laughs> uh, I got stuck somewhere? Dude, um, that resonates with me so yeah, much. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like exactly the same way where like you know, working day jobs while writing on the side and doing some other creative outlets. I was worried that, you know, I would end up kind of I feel like at least for me, it was like this like nebulous sort of like molasses trap of like falling mm-hmm. into the nine to five routine and like getting, yeah. you know, losing sight of what I really was. So like I would I would be this like, you know, walking movie cliche of like the guy in his 40s or something like exactly. that. Like I wish I did yeah. this when I was in my yeah. 20s. And then I mean, and, and life happens too. you know, we're young. But yeah. imagine, yeah. you know, I, I just could not stop thinking about, OK, yeah, what if I just push this one more year, one more year, one more year? And the next thing you know, I'm, you know, who knows other things, you know, getting married, having kids. And then and then you're pretty much really locked in. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a lot harder to take those risky leaps of faith. It's not impossible. But, you know, for me, it's like, all right, I've got the the opportunity here to just go broke if I really have to, you know, yeah. without hurting anyone else but myself, which is really what matters. That's a really powerful thing to say, because I think, you know, um, especially in the Midwest, I think there is a cultural tendency to kind of and I think it's steadily moving away from that um, but at least for our previous generations and stuff like that you know you get married relatively young and yeah. you kind of dive into that and then you kind of get locked in and yep. you know I, I think that that freedom that you have um, when you are you know young and single and that sort of stuff I think it's it's an incredibly liberating and powerful thing mm-hmm. that really now is the best time to yeah. make these kind of like mistakes if you want to make mistakes and like now is you know the ideal time to do that sort of stuff whether it's you know starting your own business whether it's you know making music or whatever taking these risks mm-hmm. um there's a really cool quote um from uh bill burr i think where he was talking about and i'm gonna butcher this so badly <laughs> but it's it's something along the lines of like um you know a crappy life is not, you know, sleeping on someone's futon, you know, at 35 or whatnot while you're pursuing your dream. A crappy life is, you know, waking up at, you know, 45 to a woman that you didn't really yeah. fully loved or whatever, that you mm-hmm. got married just because it was expected of you, then had kids, and then realized you wasted, you know, your youth yeah. trying to pursue, you know, just doing what everyone else wanted you to do, essentially. Yeah. I so. like that you said that, you know, it is, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it, it definitely is a culture here because, um, it, there's two sides to the story is like yeah i i have more freedom than my buddy who got you know married one year out of high school or something yeah. right but at the same time it's a lonely life doing what <laughs> what even you know you and i both do or you know just be, trying to be a creator um and then trying to also not get wrapped up in that culture and you almost sometimes wake up and you're like oh my like am i doing this wrong like am i the wrong yes, one you yeah. know no i totally um, get that man. and and it's it's you have to learn to fight that. Um, there's certainly times where you go, you know, you have your peaks and valleys, but. Um. I, I 100% get where you're coming from. And uh, I found for me, typically any time that I go out to a, a, a city on the coast, like, you know, even New York or uh, just over the summer in L.A., um, that's almost like the reinvigorating shot 
um, to kind of like remind me that like, okay, you know, yeah, it is kind of a very centralized Midwestern kind of cultural thing to get settled down mm-hmm. really young and you're like, you know, mid twenties or whatnot. And, um, you know, there are plenty of people that, you know, that are actually out here in LA or in New York or uh, Atlanta or something. They're trying to make it happen. And I think that the environment is really important for development and, at least for me, for my external, I'm very external and like my environment kind of almost sets the tone for um, how creative I am. So typically I'll have my own office. I will have, you know, I can't really work so well from my home computer. You know, I mm-hmm. have to kind of, I'm very meticulous with like how I am the most functional. And, yeah. you know, really interesting that you kind of brought that up about that, you know, juggling almost like your day job. And mm-hmm. then, you know, what you're really kind of passionate about. Yeah. How did you do that? Like, how did you keep on? on um, <clears throat> dude, it's it's passion. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I when you work at those big companies, uh, you're doing I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, but what you also learn a lot about is that 99 percent of people working with you don't have a passion for it. And they're very sad. Um, and to me, you know. I love writing code um, nearly as much as I just love entrepreneurship. Um, And to put my heart into a solution that, you know, it doesn't really matter whether I took as long as the guy who, you know, (laughs) the the quality just doesn't matter as much um, at a corporate level. It's like, all right, does it work? Is the client happy? Cool. (laughs) So, you know, whether the, the individual sitting next to you is, you know, cranking out subpar to average results that work and then you're over here like how do I make this fun uh, I love writing code it's you know that that part um, is is tough so back to the original question of you know how do you keep your your uh, ability to pursue your other endeavors is that's kind of why I was getting home I'm like I gotta fulfill this gap because yeah. um, for the majority of the day I'm not uh, so I, I just have to do it um, yeah did you find that you know, in that crucial step, because I feel like we are sometimes at our most vulnerable when we're at that sort of like halfway point where it's like, you know, you, you've got your day job and this kind of, you know, passion is a side hobby. At this mm-hmm. point, it's a glorified hobby. And it's like, can I really devote enough of myself into this and juggle this and make this happen? So um, yeah. did you have maybe uh, like a podcast or a, a mentor or someone that you would talk to on the side as well to kind of help maybe realign you yeah so definitely family um my family is largely very entrepreneurial as well um even out through my extended family um when you asked me about a book i don't read enough so i was like (laughs) oh i (laughs) i don't have a book but yeah definitely podcasts a lot of youtube um stuff you can learn a lot from youtube which i was negligent on until really quite recently, um, you know, the quality of, of content on YouTube has just drastically increased since the days uh, when I watched it every day in like third <laughs> grade. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's been huge. Um, and Reddit. Reddit. Reddit is yeah. uh, awesome. Um, and contributing to Reddit is something I just started doing. Um, and that can help awesome. a lot if you can find that right community, right? Um, yeah. And... Uh, if you know what like imposter syndrome is, yeah, um, that's oh, yeah. kind of what kept me from uh, posting for for so long. 
Um, and then and then I started doing that and started even just commenting answers, right? I mean, you don't have to make an original post, but all those sorts of things really help with growth, trying to keep your mind sharp. Yeah. Um, and even, um, you know, just little wins every day that, that can keep you moving forward. I like that. I like the little wins part because yeah. I, I think it is. I think it's it's an amalgamation of these little steps that you take over time that produce this wonderful kind of motivating yeah. uh, presence. And, you know, that stuff helped me a ton. I used to be stubborn. And again, I'm not comparing this to starting a business or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we both are creative endeavors, but... Like for me, with writing, and hopefully, yeah. you know, someone listening here can relate to what we're talking about with you know their music that they're trying to make or their yeah. acting or whatever. But like, um, I felt sometimes that uh, I was, you know, kind of I didn't make a cognizant decision to um, reach out to and try and find that sort of external sort of environment mm-hmm. like you did. At least initially, I was kind of more, you know withdrawn and sort of just like, okay, well, I'm, I got my day job, you know, working at this gym or whatever, but, you know, secretly I'll go and pursue this stuff. And I found over time that I was less inclined to uh, pursue my passions and kind of, I felt myself like a toe in that molasses pit and kind of slipping away. Oh, and that, and that's huge what you're talking about, because when I'm talking about contributing to Reddit and these things, this is new for me too. You know, I'm not this guy that's been doing all these crazy things for since I was seven. Uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a long trail of learning, doing things wrong for a while, figuring out it was wrong, adjusting, continuing. And then, you know, it's kind of a cycle. But um, on that note is it it is, uh, you know, before I kind of open myself up to, you know, contributing and even teaching people, you know, I've been mm-hmm. teaching a lot. Um, you can really seclude yourself. I used to just sit in my room and like, or sit at my computer, right? And just put all this pressure on my shoulders to come up with an idea. Like just sit there and think. And like, that is not how you're going to find an idea. Um, You absolutely have to get out into the world, even if it's in the internet world, um, walk down the sidewalk. You know, Uh, I've gone through times where I don't do that. um, And I'm just constantly putting pressure on my, shoulders to like i said think of an idea it's like you, you just can't you can't it's it's detrimental for yeah. sure so when um it's funny that you brought that up because that really it resonates with me a lot because how did you ground yourself because one of the biggest problems i had is once i started getting some traction with my writing and i had my first big success trying to make this film um about two years after the fact that i wanted it to do all of these things. It was like, this was my creative process. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted to accomplish all these, you know, almost grandiose things. Yeah. And as a result of that, that put an insane amount of pressure on me. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, it led to this production of lesser quality work. I was more critical on myself. Um, Having these insane expectations, just, it was really the um, antithesis of what, you know, my original success was like how it was created because that was kind of from a place of just, you know, creativity and kind of like figuring out as I went and mm-hmm. um, doing all this sort of stuff. And I j- it's interesting to me having those two different experiences where one of them, you kind of come from a place of insane pressure and, uh, 
you know, just this overbearing kind of, at least for me, it was like I put all these unrealistic expectations on myself, so now I have to deliver on that. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how am I going to do that? And it doesn't come from a place of, like, earnest, um, genuine kind of creativity and, and fun or um, yeah. and wonder. So, like, how did that, how do you temper your expectations with, like, because I know it, it's easy to probably be like, I'm going to create this, you know, philanthropic group that solves, you know, world hunger and it's yeah. going to be great. Like, I make yeah. this app that feeds everybody. Well, it's it's funny because I, I don't. <laughs> I have <laughs> the right, same well. problem. But, well, it's at the end of the day, and not to sound too, like, internet guru-y here, because yeah. um, I say this all the time, but it's the market, you know. Ultimately, if, um, you know, what you're doing is not providing positive results, uh, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, and it's probably not as great as you thought. And that's, that's just what happens 99% of the time. I mean, you have to, you have to have a lot of stamina, um, to do things like, you know, to, to have this grand plan, like you're talking about in anything, whether it's business or music or, um, art. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just, you just have to take it step by step and not get, not give up when, when things don't go your way. Cause even, like I was telling you, I mean, when you build a big software as a service product um, and you don't speak to people for four months and then you speak to the first person and they're like, oh, but it doesn't does it do this. And you're like, ah, no, it, it doesn't yet. <laughs> so that that can be very, very frustrating. Uh, yeah. But you just got to do it. I mean, we, we started cranking out. We cranked out more features in two weeks um, post release of our product than we did, you know, the whole time. And, and they were more effective. Holy I shouldn't crap. say more features, but more effective features, hmm. um, you know, because the core was there. But then we started talking to real people and they're like, it should do this. We were like, yes, it should. So let's do it. Right. Um, so it really is just a, it's a leap of faith and then a recursive um, need for improvement. I would say. And that's, that's, that's really well applicable put. to, I think, a lot of different fields. You know, make a post and then uh, pull it down and post it again with a little tweaks to it. You know, <laughs> different things like that. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think it, for me, like when I, I found that um, historically I'm, a, I'm very bad at predicting the future. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like when I try and have this vision for a product, project or an idea or whatever, um, it's almost, the end result is almost never what that initial vision was because it wasn't, I was only talking to myself, yeah. essentially. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going out in the real world and encountering different people that impact and shape mm-hmm. the nature and help mold it into something that is, in the end, in my experience, has been more powerful because of that. Yeah. Because, you know, you kind of have that real human kind of yeah. touch on it, that spin yeah. on it. You just have to talk to people. Yes. I mean, you yeah, have that to, really is the you biggest thing. You have to thing. meet people. And, and I appreciate, <laughs> you know, I was going to say that, I, I appreciate you um, inviting me on this because I think you mentioned flying out to LA was kind of your last little shot in the leg. Yeah. Um, that's all I've been thinking about this whole time. Like, this is really cool. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm talking to someone for the first time this night. <laughs> <laughs> the first time in 12 weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so, awesome. <laughs> um, I'm so glad we can vibe with this kind of stuff because I think that um, whether you're in the, you know, the startup sector or, you know, if you have an art specific art that you're trying to pursue or, yeah. Whatever the hell it would be. Um, I think there's a lot of overarching similarities with, you know, the specific things may be different, but the feelings of, you know, like imposter syndrome or, mm-hmm. you know, the feeling of like juggling a day job and then working on your passion. I think that we all share, we all share it. And we all kind of have this sort of fear of like, you know, I don't want to end up like for me, um, I don't say which job, but I, I looked at someone who was my boss and, 
Uh, he probably had about you know, 25 years on me, and he was doing the same thing or whatnot. And I just kind of observed him over the period of a few months and kind of just how he interacted and how he um, just his data and, like, the stuff he would talk about. And, like, you know, you, you get to know someone decently well when you spend eight hours a day kind of in the same, you know, office as them. And, oh, yeah. Um, especially when he's, like, you know, your specific boss. Mm-hmm. And I just got this weird fear where it's like, you know, again, it's like, I don't know his life story completely, so that may be the most practical thing for him. He may not, um, he may enjoy this stuff. It didn't seem like he was enjoying what he was doing. He just seemed very um, apathetic, and I just, I had this sort of, like, fright where it's just like, I I don't want that. Mm -hmm. If I have a chance to try and course correct, I'd rather take that chance now before I get involved with, you know, a wife and kids and a family and, you know, insane pills and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the, yeah, I mean that, that yeah. resonates a lot. Man. Yeah. And something I should mention too, up, up that same kind of path is that I didn't talk about, uh, is entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship with an eye, um, is where you create from within an organization. So identifying a need or a problem, um, within your company, uh, and, and this, again, I, I said entrepreneurship, but I'm not even really talking about that is a way to avoid or at least uh, make uh, avoid that feeling or, or fear and then also kind of make your experience a little better at a day job um, mm-hmm. that you that you might not see as a long term is to try to intertwine your true passion with it. So huh. I created a, an app for my company and you have to be careful. I did it the wrong way. I did it way too quick. <laughs> okay, it was so like be careful. When you yeah, <laughs> it was like three months in. And I'm like, hey, I built something for you guys. And they're like, what do you even know about us? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, it's cool, right? But yeah, so I, I built a, like a timekeeping app for our consultants because currently okay. it, it's a very large company I was working at. Everyone was keeping time on notepads and Excel and all these different things. And I'm like, we need like a cool thing to help us do this. <laughs> and I needed to build something. Um, so I did that. But even, you know, if you're an artist, paint a picture and ask if you can hang it on the wall. You know, they're always like, a lot of these companies are always looking for, for new things. Um, and I think being able to identify things like that and even try to get approved time. Cause I ended up getting approved time for that app. Once I uh, made the mistake of sending the all company email when I wasn't allowed to, um, <laughs> oh, they Jesus. did appreciate it eventually. <laughs> but, so be smart about it, um, without overstepping, Um, But there are definitely plenty of ways you can strategically um, gain the ability to to do the things you love, even in a place that that isn't conducive to that. Yeah, Um, I think that's a that's a really uh, valid point. mm -hmm. Um, So was XY Consulting your first attempt at a startup or was there other like kind of like uh, kind of it's the first. So I ran a a my first real LLC was called College Deeds with a Z, LLC. Um, How old were you when you made that? I was 18, so I, I Explains was, the Z at the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Business names, we can get into that too. Yeah. N- you should always pick the most generic name ever. Really? I mean, you just look around you. I mean, all the biggest companies, they don't have anything nifty about them. There's no Z, there's no, you know, <laughs> just be very simple. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I ran that from... That was supposed to be a startup. So okay. it was supposed to be a task rabbit type thing um, where it was a. So when you say task rabbit, what it was mean? a supposed to be the Uber for odd jobs. So Uh-oh. homeowner says, I need my garage cleaned. Um, 
college deeds person uh, claims it and goes and does it for a estimated rate. Um, I went, I thought it was, this is the other thing, um, do your research. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was the craziest idea in the world. Um, I thought I needed an NDA and stuff. And then oh, I, <laughs> I went and talked to a real entrepreneur and he quickly Googled five products with funding already that did oh. the same thing. So um, long story short, College Deeds ended up just being a landscaping company and it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah, I ran that um, all through college until I had to get an internship. So you did that while you were in college? Um, just in the summers. That's awesome. So um, did a lot of, again, I was that guy. Uh, you you got to choose between entrepreneurship and friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can, I, I, I've learned better to reel myself back, but I was oftentimes posting in group meetings that had nothing to do with <laughs> homeowners about landscaping products like what are you doing here? <laughs> um, but yeah so then um, I did do a I had ran another startup for two years um, what I did is I had to get an internship and I said well can I work for myself for an internship and they were like absolutely not so I worked for my family business um, and built a timekeeping service that was technically my startup, but kind of, I, you know, hopefully don't get in trouble for this, but it was under the veil of working for my family company. So, oh boy. <laughs> so I really was, was working for myself, but building a product for both. Cool. Okay. Um, so that turned into a real thing. It was Paycree LLP. Um, and it was my brother and I. Hmm. And that's that's kind of what we were talking to you about. Yeah, so yeah, that, I remember that. That is no longer. Okay. Um, that is that is no longer. But we did that for I think three years. So, but clearly, like all this stuff is building towards something. So, like yeah. you, you learn so much from, like I feel like at least for me, I learn by failing a ton. Oh, yeah. And it sounds cliche, but it's, yeah. it's so entirely true. But like. Um, what were the things that you learned from those attempts? Yeah, uh, that and that's the the biggest thing that I – this is within the last year, uh, and it's the most obvious, but when you're starting a business, you can think you have a good idea, but at the end of the day, it does not matter. You have to provide value to somebody, mm -hmm. and you cannot – so, again, this is where Paycrete failed, was that we had a very cool system for keeping time. But the software was built in a fashion where in order to get the value out of it, the business had to change. Mm -hmm. And if, if the cost of entry is um, a mom and pop concrete company having to completely change their back office just to sign up for our app, it's like, <laughs> how, <laughs> what's the point, you know? Right, right. Um, so, and that's also something I learned hand in hand working, you know, for a year in corporate is seeing seeing how real big business software is made. And it's it's all about flexibility, configuration, customization. Like, right. here's the tool, but you can literally do whatever you want with it. Paycrete was like, you have to do this. And they're like, <laughs> we don't want to. You're like, okay. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how, you know, even that, that you know, quote-unquote nine-to-five job that wasn't maybe your, your passion, like, you still ended up learning stuff. Oh, yeah, that. tons. Like, tons. especially as a, you know, entrepreneur. Like, yeah. that's... Would you almost recommend people try and, you know, yeah. do that first? In yeah, the sense? something I was talking huge on, or, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't quite rounded this philosophy out yet, so don't hold me to it, but it was kind of the one-year mantra, per se. Okay. Um, and within that year, if you really pay attention, so if you don't just do your job, kind of keep your eyes peeled for 
processes, behaviors, position types. Mm-hmm. Like, why does this company have somebody doing this? Well, look look a little deeper into it. You know, if you have access to a file storage, you know, uh, repository, which you probably will, dig a little deeper than you're supposed to into it. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. find find. So that's what I did. So for a straight year, I was developing, paying attention to these professional. Um, developing developer habits that I didn't have, mm-hmm. um, but then also paying attention to the business side of things and like, okay, so this is how a real corporation is is mm-hmm. structured with, you know, CEOs, directors, managers, all these different things. Um, yeah. I think is key. You w- you won't know how to do that. <laughs> you won't. I had no idea. <laughs> College doesn't teach you that at all. So jumping ahead a little bit here and talking about what you're. Uh, currently working on now. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about XY Consulting. Okay. So XY Consulting uh, is what we founded. I founded it with two partners, um, both from the same company in January of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, We worked nights for six months. Um, One of the partners left pretty early in the process. Um, So myself and a partner left in June. Um, That leap was (laughs) semi-calculated. Uh, it, we had, we made sure to really kind of build the core of a company, mm-hmm. um, and take it seriously in terms of, you know, why do we exist? You know, we did all the cheesy stuff we did. We, we did the pillars, you know, all the, all the stuff <laughs> that you think you shouldn't do. We, we decided to do this time around right. just to make sure that we did have, you know, some sort of idea of a culture, um, direction, all those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's called XY Consulting. We, our, our goal originally was to do um, business-to-business applications completely custom for that company. Um, so legitimate consulting, going in, finding out processes that needed to be converted to digital solutions um, and providing those on a, on a billable basis. Hmm. We went through several sales cycles, um, one of which took forever just <laughs> to find out they didn't want to do it. Oh, <laughs> so man. that was tough. Um, so then I kind of, you know, from the, the president CEO chair was like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's just build something. Let's take a risk. <laughs> you know, we, we saved our money. So we were set out for an agreed upon amount of time. And I'm like, well, we could either go through that process again, you know, do all this we were, I mean, we were jumping through so many hoops. I mean, we were printing out big posters, you know, we were, we really did it right um, in terms of um, the sales cycle for these consulting things and it just they just didn't pan out mm-hmm. um, and so we decided to go the product route um, and this product I believed was actually a real issue you know I saw a need in the real world mm-hmm. um, actually at the gym that we go to <laughs> and uh, decided to pursue that so that product is called xyissue.com um, and it's asset asset management issue tracking um, using QR codes. So big thing that I also learned from the the job I had for a year um, was ERP systems and and largely business enterprise software is so complex that the leadership is very happy with it, but the employees who are actually in the field do not do anything right typically. They do, but they, they don't. They don't like it. It, it. it definitely infringes on their day-to-day fluidity of work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the goal with our application was to facilitate the most inbound data with the least amount of button clicks. Hmm. So how can we track lots of data about an asset, particularly service-based issues, maintenance, without employees having to do anything that could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So we use <laughs> QR codes to tie it to, basically you scan the QR code, it takes you directly to the form you need to um, see and then you click one button. There's a couple inputs that they can configure, but largely one button click. Um, so we've been selling that. Um, that's you know getting technical about the product, but in terms of processes, that's where it gets tough. You build an idea, it's awesome, you think it's awesome, you find out you have to make changes, you pivot a little bit, um, and then you got to go into sales mode. And you know, as like as a bootstrapped small company, mm -hmm. that's where you have to wear all those different hats and those different kind of extending ligaments from the entrepreneurial core is like, okay, now you really have to be a badass salesman. Like right. you can't just think you know how to do sales. It's, I mean, you gotta, you can't say the wrong things. You gotta keep the conversation positive. You gotta figure out how you can best word things. I mean, I never knew that. You gotta be a wordsmith to be a good salesman. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm actively right. learning how to be a salesman right now. Well, that's good. I think that's definitely yeah. No, I, I think no matter what you choose to go into, especially if you're trying to, like, you know, like you're saying, bootstrap it on your own. I think learning at least, you know, a little bit of salesmanship goes yeah. a long, long way. People skills. People skills yeah. are crucial. Yes. Um, so let's start when you kind of had that I, initial idea for the, the company. Mm -hmm. what, what did that look like to you? I mean, were you just, like, writing <laughs> notes on your iPhone or how did that yeah. work out? Yeah, so I always had this idea. It, it, it was this phrase, 30, 30 days, 30K. Okay. So your average app developer, app development company will tell you, you know, you'll go in there. They will literally give you a $100,000 quote for any, typically any software as a service idea your, your average non-coder is going to have is you're looking at $100,000 mm -hmm. for an MVP. Um, with the technology that I use and kind of, you know, my ability, um, I like to think I'm really good at, at building at database design. So basically taking real world concepts and, you know, popping out a database that's going to store that in a way that makes sense. Um, so the idea there was like, all right, let's let's tell people that for $30,000, we will build their MVP in 30 days and have it ready to go. Wow. Um, that was kind of a fantasy, right? It didn't <laughs> right. happen. But that was the idea. It was like, why, you know, why is there all this like, bulk and so much, you know, that just takes forever. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's there's this status quo out there that it has to take six months to a year. And sure it does. It depends on the complexity. Uh, people are going to listen to me say this, be like, he is very wrong. I get, <laughs> I get that. There are definitely different um, complexities of applications. Games take forever. Um, but in terms of a data-centric application, um, from an MVP perspective, I, I think that it can be done in 30 days. Hmm. Um, risky. So yeah. we didn't do that, but that's where it started. Um, then we kind of moved to, all right, let's be more professional about this. And, well, and so when, you, um, when you're starting it, yeah. what, did you, what was your first step? The register the LLC? Uh, 
a little bit of more planning before that that was my original first step in high school all right let's just register it and then you're like ah once you get into that it's it's harder to get out of right like let's, let's hold off on the llc registration for a couple okay, days right. <laughs> um, so a lot of like you know yeah a lot of meetings. planning okay. meetings so a lot of uh we we largely were we all lived in indy but we you know going home from work and stuff so we were doing mm-hmm. a lot of google hangout stuff right um pretty much the second half of the the day or the night so from 7 to 11 p.m kind of just uh just planning and talking um then we registered um bought a domain name um which was pretty awesome we were able to get xy.consulting um so that was that fun pretty cool. um so we're looking at else? a startup cost right now of what less than five hundred dollars i don't know how expensive uh, the domain, domain name plus, was but. not a super smart financial decision that <laughs> one was expensive we could have let's talk about twelve dollar domains though so right now we're at <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> your your normal domain is going to be 12 12 bucks or so mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean registering with the state is sub a hundred dollars mm-hmm. let's call it 85 i think okay. so even with a domain and a real llc yeah you're you're still right around 100 bucks um and within the day so then really the next step is also going to the bank open up a bank account that that goes hand in hand with getting your llc it's like all right mm-hmm. let's be even more real and go open a bank for it <laughs> um and uh, and that's fun that's really fun. Yeah. Getting a debit card with your name and, and a business name on it is like the coolest thing. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> it if cool. we're talking like just little wins, right? <laughs> little wins. Um, well, I think that's also like it's little things that slowly build in this this yeah. persona. Or this, and like, I think you know, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about is like when I was little, I mean, to me, a business was a business card. It's like if I have a business card, I mean, I'm in business. So like now like that, like I love that. the older me is like, all right, I have a debit card with a printed name on it like that's pretty sweet <laughs> that's um, awesome man. yeah yeah and then the, the piece of paper is always a good thing to like frame it's it's a cool looking like uh government document with like a stamp on it and everything hmm. so and it's just it's um, wild to me because i always was under the assumption that you know you start on business i mean you got to have a lawyer you got to have an attorney yeah. you got to figure out people to sign all these papers and yeah and this business actually um, is the first one I've ever actually retained counsel on or, or gotten a lawyer for. So mm-hmm. like college deeds was, it was as real as it gets. I mean, it was an LLC, <laughs> Sounds real as it gets, man. QuickBooks, you know, <laughs> everything you, you need to run a business. I think college deeds really is probably the best example of like, just start a business. I mean, yeah. just do it. You know, we, we ended up doing some pretty good revenues the second year, just from brand awareness. I mean, we were doing like guerrilla marketing. We were putting signs out by Clay Terrace and like we were got calls, like lots of calls. People are sitting there like, yeah, I saw your sign. I'm like, <laughs> it awesome. works. Like the the things, it's, it literally is just like hustle. Like those little things work well. Mm-hmm. So like if we didn't have things to do, I'd have guys just go put flyers in mailboxes. And <laughs> you, some people get mad about that, but you know, most of the time it goes well. Yeah. Um, and that, 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 that was probably the best experience uh, learning experience. So just starting a landscaping company. Do you think that that would almost serve as a better, like hypothetically for the viewer or the listener who is like, you know, saying, okay, well, this clearly is not as hard as I thought it was going to be to, mm-hmm. in order to start a business. Would that, would College Deed serve as a better um, kind of frame of reference for that as you kind of walk through how you establish that? Or would XY Consulting, what do you think? Um, XY Consulting is tough. Um, yeah. I mean, and, but it is, I think it's the, 
Well, sounds I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. It's, it's a lot, yeah, so <laughs> a lot it's, more in depth. It is because there's just a lot more channels, um, and we're like we're trying to launch a product, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the service industry, and this this kind of I don't want to go down this tangent, but it gets into like this idea <laughs> that like you have to go to college and get this white collar job. It's like, dude, if I was to quit college and just run college deeds, I would have had a career. I mean, we were doing so well in the summers. I'm not even just trying to brag. It's just the simplicity of. Uh, laying mulch down, mm-hmm. like you're going to sweat and get your hands dirty. But if you can delegate right, um, certainly you can create a career for yourself. And I think that's eye opening, too, because um, as we're getting more and more people in our generation kind of approaching the homeowner buying age and realizing that they are thousands of dollars in debt from college, mm-hmm. that they, the job market isn't quite the same and things are definitely evolving. We're kind of living in this interesting, I don't want to say tumultuous, but could be. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But like we're living in this interesting time where, um, you know, that even very American example of what you did, yeah, I, th- I think is is incredible. And I think that that is something that we almost lose sight of where we definitely struggled. At least I struggled with kind of fighting this sort of like um, conditioning that I was taught as a kid that like, OK, if you don't go to college, you cannot get a good paying job. <laughs> like, bingo. Yeah. And like, yeah. And then now the market is so saturated. People who have college degrees that are, unless you're in a STEM field, they're more. Oh, they're just not. They're just not passionate either. I mean, I don't care what your degree is. If you're not passionate, if you don't like, like, like I said, I mean, working for the company I worked for, it's like, guy has the same degree as me, but just (laughs) he's just not. It's he won't be there. You know, he won't code and like yeah, and and it's just it's literally kind of becomes like a factory for like so so code, and that's kind of what made me. Uh, not not enjoy it. It's like, all right, it works, but like, could you have done it better? Like, probably. <laughs> what would you rate yourself? <laughs> yeah. Let me adjust yeah. the camera real quick and we'll continue. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, college deeds mm-hmm. with a Z. With a Z. And uh, <laughs> kind of the, how that was a fundamental, you know, learning uh, opportunity for you and how really, in all honesty, you could have just chosen to launch that into your career if mm-hmm. you wanted to. Um. Do you think there is a need for more entrepreneurs now, or do you? How, how do you view kind of the marketplace? Is it a crowded marketplace? Are there people your age that are trying to do this stuff? Because a lot of the startups yeah. that I have, you know, I've worked for or have friends that have done this stuff, the people in charge of them leading the charge per se tend to be, um, I would say, probably late forties, early fifties, that sort of thing, because they have the perceived kind of capital or investment or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I I had this um, pretty juvenile fear um, growing up about this whole thing because I I literally have always known I was going to be an entrepreneur like since like I was seven Um, (laughs) and it's never left my mind. But I went through this period where I was like so afraid that if I talked about it so much that, you know, then what's Really, it was the idea that, like, what's stopping anyone else? Because that's the truth. There is um, nothing. So, you know, yeah. I always thought that. It's like, all right, well, what if somebody else beats me to the punch on on all this stuff that I think is going to be so cool? Um, but at the end of the day, what you have to realize is just not everyone is wired that way. Um, right. And they just aren't. And there's a lot of people um, that will do it. And there's, there's a larger population that won't. Um, and we all have our own kind of execution techniques per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's really what it's all about. Um, you know, is who's going to execute the best. And that's definitely something you should, 
you should be weary of because um, that that keeps everyone growing and, and moving forward you know in terms of competition um, but no I, I think I think just the the standard natural rate that's that's out there I don't think it's overpopulated mm-hmm. I definitely don't have a bunch of friends um, starting businesses like uh, I, I have a lot of people that do not like me for how many businesses I've started um, <laughs> well, like absolutely that, like, just Oh, there's just so many people that get so frustrated because, you know, I'm tweeting about oh, one product and then, you know, six months later there might be something else. And um, oh, that's the so, hustle, man. I don't right. Know. You can't knock you for that. No. And, and, and again, you know, there's those those little like six month ideas that I have. Um, those I don't file LLCs for. That's what people need to understand. I'm not out here. I don't own like 400 LLCs. <laughs> I have little side projects um, that I enjoy tweeting, you know, letting people know about, but people genuinely um, don't like that, <laughs> which is fine by me. Um, right. And that's why I'm, I'm happy with XY Consulting because that's kind of like my one, that's my baby right now. Um, yeah. And it's it's real. And, you know, I, I work 40 hours plus a week on that. Um, but then I also do stupid stuff. So <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. Let's go back to college deeds real quick. So mm-hmm. this was kind of your your first kind of foray into the the, the sector. So, um, what what was probably the hardest struggle that you didn't anticipate with that? What what is something? And maybe if that's try not to look for something that maybe was unique to your experience if you can. Yeah. Um, something yeah. that maybe might be applicable to other hopeful people, um, yeah. in particular employees. Mm-hmm. will be the uh, that that will be a struggle for everybody uh, managing people and learning to juggle um, learning to not even just juggle but learning to when to apply pressure and when it's just you because mm-hmm. um, something that all entrepreneurs eventually have to swallow and this was tough for me is that nobody else is going to care about your business um, nobody. You could hire the best person out there, um, but at the end of the day, they're going to go home and not have to think about it. Um, and even from a, or it was called college deeds. So I really shot myself in the foot on this one because I only hired college kids, mm-hmm. um, which was <laughs> very hard to manage yeah. from a human resources perspective because um, college kids uh, like to party. Um, <laughs> and sometimes when you have to mulch at eight in the morning, it's kind of hard. So, um, yeah, I struggled with that. Um, and you know, trying to be the cool boss, but also enforce some level of, um, seriousness because it was a real business. It's like, dude, come on, you're getting changed out of your party attire, like at the client's house. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, seriously. Um, and it, it was that that's definitely and you, you talk to a lot of business owners and they will all say that um, employees are are the toughest part um, and you have to have them to grow. Yeah. So and I was definitely not where I am now. Right. So I was still kind of in this like, all right, like if you're going to be part of this, you got to love the idea just as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, I'm, I'm much more grounded about that and kind of realizing like, hey, if you're really this serious entrepreneur, you just got to realize that that's the pressure that you have inherited. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to be thinking about it at night and your employees are going to be sleeping. So um, that's it's tough. It's very tough. So piggybacking on that, then mm-hmm. um, now going forward, having you know multiple years under your belt in terms of uh, experience managing startups and running startups, like 
for example, when you are looking for employees, what are some qualities and during the interview process or maybe some things that really stand out to you that you can not like necessarily guarantee because yeah. everyone's on their best behavior, but maybe yeah. hedge your bets in a sense yeah. like for a good fit for the team? So for college deeds, no interviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, but uh, in particular, friends that had worked at landscaping companies, um, there was definitely vetting. It was more through natural conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I that's one thing I do enjoy about where I come from um, is from largely blue collar work, the concrete industry. Um, so I, I do have a keen eye for work ethic and, you know, can you swing a hammer and are you going to give up the moment the first drop of sweat comes off your face? Like <laughs> it, there's definitely people who aren't built for physical labor. Mm-hmm. Um but I think this is kind of a good place for XY Consulting because now um, that I've grown, I think in order to, you know, from a technical perspective and more of a white collar hiring um, process, you have to find people who have this certain way of thinking. Because like I said, I, don't, I would not want to hire a bunch of people who just don't have passion for coding mm-hmm. and are just kind of churning out stack overflow solutions <laughs> that are loosely pieced together. <laughs> um, so from that aspect, yeah, you have to identify people who, who have this special kind of logical way of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and they can actually solution problem or solution, um, not solution solutions, but come up <laughs> with unique solutions yeah, in a programmatic yeah. perspective um, that are that are very unique um, and, and straight from the their fingertips on the keyboard. Certainly using online resources, because that's very important, but learning how to, you know, uniquely do that in, a, in cool ways, you yeah. know, um, that that's kind of what I look for from a technical perspective. Um, so then building upon that, maybe, um, what would you say, what would be any kind of advice or maybe pitfalls that you have learned to avoid or any kind of parting words for someone who, you know, is listening to this and has made it all the way through and it's kind of really piqued their interest in like, there's this idea that they've had for years that they have, you know, always thought that'd be a good idea for a product or whatnot. And they're thinking about taking that first step to try and help establish yeah. that. Um, it's funny because I've been, we've been talking a ton about like this idea that like you can just go online and file for an LLC. Don't do that. Uh, don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so forget everything yeah. you've heard. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> definitely do that later. Um, and that's something I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I, if anyone takes anything away from this is, Pursue the idea as if it already exists. Um, don't worry about the, the technicalities um, because certainly once you will know when it's time, you know, hmm. if there truly is a demand for your idea and you truly do execute on it, because um, it's a huge problem for me. You know, mm-hmm. I can come up, I'll come up with an idea laying in bed and think I need to go register. Like, <laughs> don't do that because um, you don't want to get like, it's like just taking it. You just cannonball in. Don't do that. Uh, go. <laughs> walk into the the shallow part um so yeah definitely in, but treat it as a real entity you know take yourself seriously mm-hmm. um take the leap of faith without um fogging your vision with kind of all these technicalities we've talked about but understand that it's not too far of a reach to get there so once you can validate the idea build it or execute on it or you know design the logo all these different things and validate that there's an opportunity there also understand that you are very, very close to owning your first business. Very close. Yeah. Stan, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Seriously, yeah. thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, if you guys um, are listening now, we are on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, you can find us on the Digital Fireside. Uh, if you need to write in, if you have any burning questions, I'd like to get Stan back on here because I think we really uh, gelled with in terms of talking about a lot of uh, overlap with you know a creative endeavor and trying to juggle that between you know a day job and you know a, a hobby and that sort of stuff. And if you have any questions, you can write into contact at the digitalfireside.com. All right, and don't forget if you have enjoyed this uh, at all. <laughs> I always struggle with like trying to like put yeah. it out like the outro not oh, to yeah. sound too preachy or anything. Mm-hmm. So if you've enjoyed what you listened to today, be sure to go and rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate the support. So thank you guys so much, and I hope you guys have a great day.